This morning we were continuing. Everybody wants to be happy, the attitude sermon. So if anybody who knows me very much knows that when I saw Pastor Stan post this, I only had to look at him and he said, don't worry, Alona, we'll give you an opportunity. Because as you might know, one of my favorite slogans and sayings that I have embedded within my heart and soul, I wear it often on cuffs, is be happy and grateful. I think you guys can do better than that. Be happy and grateful. See? And in it, so we were continuing the Beatitudes, and today we are looking at the next one, but we will read what we have been studying so far. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5, where we'll be reading verses 1 through 6, and in today's message, we'll be focusing in on the sixth verse. So when you get to your Bibles, when you get there, just say Amen. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Here ends the scripture reading for today, but let us open up our hearts to the message. And it always helps if I actually have the notes with me. It does make it easier. Hunger is not an easy thing. If anyone knows of anybody who gets hangry, have you heard that word? They have gone well past the time of they should have been eating. Two seconds ago, you might have seen my son came up to me in tears. He was getting to that hangry, sad point in his morning. Food is very much an integral part of us. God made it so that we need to consume in order for us to sustain our physical life. We can go no more than three days without water before our body starts shutting down. We can go no longer than three weeks before our bodies can no longer shut down, or starts to shut down, excuse me. Many survivors have gone much longer than that. They have pushed that boundary, but very few speak of that ability to do so. And here in Christ, as he's talking in this beatitude of hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's once again that opportunity where he takes that physical world and aspect of something that we all relate to, think of just Thanksgiving dinner, and turns it into something completely spiritual, all in the same breath, the same sentence. I don't know about you, but food for me and my family, coming from a Cape Verdean household, was very much an integral part of our existence. So much so that we have two kitchens growing up. We had an upstairs kitchen and a downstairs kitchen. And one time a friend had come over, we were doing some, some work, and my friend said, oh, can I go get a snack and something to drink? Sure, the cups are next to the sink, grab whatever you can. And then all of a sudden they come back a few minutes later and they said, wait a second, I went to your kitchen and all there is is like really nice china in the cabinets. 
And I said, oh, you went to the show kitchen upstairs. No, you got to go to the real kitchen downstairs. That's where we keep all of the food and stuff. In our households, our, our meals were so large that you needed two ovens to cook. So that's why we always had two kitchens. But what Christ was talking about in this moment was not so much our physical, but our spiritual. Do we have thirst in our souls? Do we have hungry hearts? Do you have a longing for something in your life in regards to a situation, a season, a person, an experience, a restlessness that we look to have filled? For myself, it happened when I was younger, growing up. I grew up and my parents separated and divorced. My father moved up to Burlington, Vermont, and here I was, a product of a little girl growing up with her father so far away, trying in every aspect to be that quote-unquote perfect little girl. How good can my academics be? How good can I be in after-curricular activities after school? All those things that I always felt I was lacking or falling short. For my father never saw me cheer. He never came to a dance recital. But that was okay. I realized later on in life, at the time it was heartbreaking, right? It's hard. It's difficult. You struggle with that pain and that insecurity. It wasn't later until I grew and I grew in the season of my spiritualness that I realized that God had planted plenty of father figures in my life. So much so that my mother wore dual hats. My friends, even to this day, will tell me all the time, I am scared of your mother. <laughs> she wore those hats very well. God provided, even when I could not see the way. Even though my heart and soul were longing for something of the physical world, a comfort or a hug from my father, an acknowledgement, he provided something else. He's provided me at this point where I can firmly say, oh my goodness, I have the most amazing Heavenly Father who watches out and looks over me in everything I do, who's beside me when I'm driving in my car and I'm just rocking out to K-Love, or who is there with me when I'm going through the most difficult of seasons. When Christ was talking and he was saying those who are hungry, Hunger isn't an easy thing to go through or a season. Ask anybody who has to eat and doesn't have a way to provide. Those who are homeless, they have to trust in food pantries or trust in donations so that they can sustain. It's one of the reasons why part of our ministry is the blue bags. What can we do to help others? A newborn baby, if they could only talk, instead they scream every three hours and let you know that they need to eat. They trust that as caregivers, we will provide for them, that we will give to them. Being fed is about trust. We trust that when we go to the refrigerator and we open the door, the children have not eaten us out of house and home, <laughs> but there is still food there. We trust. Christ is asking us at this very time, can we trust? Or will you take matters into your own hands? It was interesting because if you know my family, we absolutely love Star Wars. I'm just going to declare that right now. 
And there might be a spoiler or two in the next few lines that I share with you. So one of my interesting characters, and I like the complexity of him, is Anakin Skywalker. If you don't know his name by that, you will know his name of Darth Vader. But Anakin Skywalker has this interesting aspect as a character. As a child growing up, when you watch the episodes, you see him as a young child, and he's caring, and he's kind, and he's trying to help other people. And then when he gets older, he decides to take things into his own hands. He tries to solve the problem himself. And it's in solving that problem that he is transformed, where he is burned, and he is mutilated, and it's terrible things happen to him. All that he has justly brought upon himself, and he built, and he has to put a sustaining life support suit on, and a mask, and thus he is deemed Darth Vader. Isn't that such an analogy to our life? Sometimes we decide to take things in our own hands. We decide to let me figure it out. Let me solve the problems. And in doing so, slowly but slowly but slowly, we end up covering ourselves up. Covering up the aspect of who God has called us to be. We put on the shields and the masks to protect ourselves from being hurt from other people because we have lost the trust in Christ. When Solana, my daughter, was younger, we would go off and go food shopping together. And here she is, a cute little child. I taught her baby sign language, so sometimes we would sign together. And as we got older, she was just a chatter and a talker. And here she is, chatting and talking to me in the store, and we're at the produce counter. And what does everybody do at produce counters? We all sit around and talk to each other, waiting. So as we were there waiting, a woman comes over and starts a conversation. And she starts talking to Solana, hi, how are you? All the things that an adult says to a child. And my daughter just stares at her. After a few minutes, a woman kind of looks at me and her smile falls from her face. And she leans over and she says, oh, um, is there another way that I should communicate with your daughter? And I turn to her and before I could say anything, Solana looks to me do you want to tell her or should I that I shouldn't talk to strangers? <laughs> it's a trust thing. We have this ability of society of who do we trust, how do we trust, right? I remember growing up, don't talk to strangers online, who you're emailing with. Don't get into cars with strangers. But yet now we literally go on our smartphones, right? We communicate with the stranger and ask them to pick us up and we get in their car. It's called Uber. Trusting. But here Christ is saying, I need you to trust me. And in order to trust somebody and to find them trustworthy, you've got to interact with them. There's got to be a give and take. There's a back and forth that happens. It's interesting that at Faith Community Church, we talk about three things, loving Christ, growing relationships, and reshaping lives, all of which you have to have with somebody else that you trust, that you're building trust, spending time in communion with Christ, having fellowship, growing a relationship with Christ, giving and taking, reshaping our lives through Christ. Do we trust him? 
Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, say, trust him. We're going to do it one more time. You're going to turn to that person. I want you to look in their eyes, and I want you to say it from down below like you really mean it, right? And just say, trust him. There we go. It's trusting in Christ. And then the next aspect is Christ is talking about our hunger. Then he also talks about our thirst. Drinking. Believing. Surrendering. Because in order to, to drink, just like the woman at the well, she had to believe. She had to believe who Christ said he was. When you eat and you drink of the bread and the wine, when we do communion, you have to believe what it is that you are consuming. And by believing, we surrender ourselves. Surrendering ourselves isn't just about the big moments in our lives, because sometimes that tends to be the easiest, right? We're going through hardship. Let me call out to God. We're going through a difficult season. I'll just do it like Jesus does it. But it's also in the everyday, the other little things as well that we are asked to surrender. Can't find a parking spot. How many of you reach out to Jesus then? Right? Those little things, those little moments, those happy and grateful moments of everything within our lives. It was interesting, one time I overheard two Sunday school kids one was new, one has, had been um, Sunday school for a while. The new student turned to the other student and said, so what happens if the teacher calls on me in Sunday school class? And the other kid said, oh, that's easy. Just answer Jesus to everything. <laughs> so often the answer is easy. But it's the question Sometimes that we find the ability to, can we surrender, the ability to believe, the ability to say that I don't know, but that's okay. Surrendering. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 3. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfeeling love I promised to David. Are we thirsty that we will surrender? Are we thirsty that we will just allow it to be in each and every season? Well, we drink from the cup of righteousness. And even within all aspects of it, find a way to be happy and grateful. And then as Christ was talking, as he's going through this this beatitude of hunger and thirst, of trusting and believing. It's that last part of the verse that strikes me so much, that hits to the core. Because they will be fed until they are full. 
Have you ever been? Uh, have you ever been? That was kind of funny until you, when you hear the rest of the question. Thanksgiving dinner, that fullness after a meal. What do we all do? We just sit there. We've eaten and we all have to rest. We take that moment after we've consumed and we've had conversations with our loved ones and our, our friends and we've shared time together and we rest in it, that fullness. To me, that gives me such the understanding of what Christ was saying. To be that full spiritually. In order to be that full spiritually, it comes back to us as being in the righteousness. And this is the part that, that in regards to, the, to Christ, that just moves my soul. Because see, Christ was righteous. He was perfect. Disclaimer, you and I never will be. <laughs> we cannot be perfect, but he was. He not only died on the cross for us, but he lived a perfect, righteous life for us. At the end of the sermon, Christ utters these words at the Sermon of the Mountain. So at the very end of Matthew, he says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. For some of us, it seems, well, that's just setting us up to fail, isn't it? But if you understand the message, and if you read back to what Christ is asking and sharing and telling us with in the Beatitudes, he's reminding us that it's okay. You need not be, but I am. As Pastor Stan spoke last week, that with Christ, the yoke, we take the yoke upon us, and he does as well, and he shares the load with us. He carries us and sustains us. I love the parable of the wedding banquet that Christ tells as well in Matthew. And it says in Scripture 22, verses 8 through 10, And the king said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servant brought in everyone they could, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. See, by Christ's righteousness, he's inputted that same righteousness onto us. He has paid our debt. Our sins he has washed clean. Christ's righteousness is for us trusting and believing in him. That is what he asks of us. He suffered the penalty. We need to trust him. He suffered the penalty. We need to believe in him. He suffered the penalty and we need to rest in him fully. But resting can somewhat be difficult and hard upon itself, because it doesn't mean no action. It means just the opposite. It means taking the action that you need to take, but resting completely in our Savior. I just moved from our house in Rainham to Plymouth over this weekend, and I got to a point where the boxes weren't getting packed quick enough. <laughs> we weren't getting things into the pods in the U-Haul fast enough. And I was overwhelmed. And I had this moment where I sat down on my steps and I succumbed and a tear or two or five or ten 
<laughs> slipped from my eyes. And all I did was just say his name, Jesus. And in that moment, the response back was simple. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am God. And I took that deep breath. I got up and I got that tape. And I boxed that box that I needed to finish. I need not know how it was all going to get done or how it was going to happen or how or what was going to eventually be broken in the move. I know that God my Heavenly Father had prepared the path before me. And I know that through Christ, all things are possible, and I need not sit there and worry. I needed to get up and take action. Being still, resting in Him, being filled by Him. That is what Christ asks us to do in order to have our righteousness inputted onto us. And at this very moment, I was amazed how, sometimes you're just amazed how God just works and how he shows things and reveals things to you. So that happened on, on Friday and on Saturday morning. We had to get up because my daughter had to go to a road race. She was a runner. But she was struggling with asthma. So she wakes up Saturday morning and she needs her rescue inhaler and we're running late, and she goes, Mom, I don't know if I can run the race today. And I said, well, it's up to you. You need to make that choice and decision. And she turned to me, and she goes, but I really want to do it. And I said, that's fine. Do you believe? Do you trust? Do you have faith? Yes. Then let's go. So as we go from Plymouth to DW Field in Brockton, we arrive there. The gates are already closed so I can't get to the top of the hill where the race is. There's a police officer on a bike. I ask, flag him down, ask him if he can open the gate. He pedals over relatively slowly on his bike. I tell him I have one more runner. He opens the gate. He says, sure, okay, come on through. As we're driving up to the top of the race where the starting line is, I turn to my daughter and I say, look, we're going to get there and we're getting there late. Just jump out of the car and just start running. I have my sneakers on today. I will run after you. If something happens, just stop on the road. I will catch up to you. I cannot run as fast as she can. I'll be behind you, but I'll get up, catch up to you. She says, are you sure, Mom? I said, yes. So she says, all right. So she jumps out of the car. We run up to the starting line. And there's no kids there. They've already left. <laughs> so now she's playing catch-up from the very last possible position. And she is running down the hill, so much so that she has to run by the last car. The police car was the last car. She has to run by the extra police car so that she can get into the race. And she is full-fledged on. And I'm doing the best I can jogging behind her. And I finally get to a, a section three-fourths of the race, and I realize... Goodness gracious, she hasn't stopped. She's, she's actually made it. She's going to make it to the finish line. So I take a little a path that us parents use to cut through, and I get to the finish line, and there she is. She's crying. She's a little worn down. She's okay. At the end of the race, after all the runners come through, they pass out ribbons. 
And in her age group, she came in second. And as I see her receive this ribbon, I say, oh my goodness, Christ, you are so good. This is what being still is all about. See, we will never win the race. We will never take that first position. Because that is Christ's righteousness. That is his responsibility. That is his spot. But we are asked to run our own individual races. Full-fledged, with our full heart, believing and trusting in him. Knowing that he will sustain and guide each and every footstep. That we will persevere. That we will run the good race. That we will finish where he needs us to finish. And there she was, so proud of herself. And there I was inside saying, yes, Christ, that is what being still and resting fully in your righteousness is about. Knowing that we, as the children of God, will never be perfect, but that's okay because Christ already was. John Piper has a great quote If you don't feel strong desire for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because we have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world, our soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the glory and greatness and the righteousness of Christ. Turn to the person next to you and remind them to be still. to be full so that we can receive our righteousness that Christ has given on to us. I will read that last verse once again from Matthew. Happy are people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness because they will be fed until they are full. Here ends the message for today's service as well. As we do our closing song in worship, we always welcome those to come forward to the altar if you would like to have special prayers or to be prayed over a situation or a season in your life. There is power in prayer. There is power in reaching out to Jesus, just asking him to cover whatever it is that is troubling our hearts and souls. So we welcome you to have that opportunity and moment with us this Sunday.